you, you need to keep you can keep talking i just wanted you to know that we're recording now i didn't see you press the button oh yeah i did it eight seconds ago oh hi so hi <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here's what we'll do. I'm going to introduce the show, and I might screw it up, but I, I also edit the show. So if I do screw it up, I'll, I'll replace it with voice, something else. You just do over. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and then I'm just, I'm just going to tell you a story, and we'll see where it goes. Okay. 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 Do I introduce myself? <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll introduce you. It, it'll be self-explanatory. You'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey everybody, this is Robert Yerby. This is one interesting thing about insurance. Thanks for joining us. I I was going to do an intro and I have, it's completely flown out of my head. I'm distracted because today I have a, a special guest. Kellyanne Barker is here with me. Kellyanne, say hello. Hi y'all. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, just like with every one of my guests, I, I didn't really tell her what we're going to talk about. And I was nice enough, Kellyanne, to send you an episode of the, the podcast so you'd know like the premise and, and everything that we're talking about, but you didn't listen to it. You have no idea what this show even is, right? I'm like, why are you throwing me under the bus, dude? I had a... I think I know you well enough that I'm very familiar with your stories. You familiar with my work? Yes. Yeah, well, you were just telling me, oh, by the way, I, I haven't seen you in at least a year, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you remembered all of the key things about me, all right? I, I don't like blue and gold. Together. Together, yes. right? I don't like it when the Arizona Department of Transportation shuts down highways just willy-nilly without any, you know, <laughs> notifications to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> what were the other things? What did I say? I don't know. Damon, you were listening. What would she say? I, I forget. Okay. Well, they it were all good. It was a list. Yeah. Oh, some OCD issues, like making sure that the marks on the carpet are good. Okay. Fair, and the table moves. Fair enough. Fair enough. I have some odd idiosyncrasies. That was redundant, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. All right. All of those were fair. If you had ticked off daylight savings time in there, that would have been oh, like absolutely yeah. Remember that. Yeah, loses his mind about <laughs> savings time. And your calendar scheduling. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, so you were all worried I was going to ask you questions you didn't know the answer to. Correct. I, I, I do have a question right out the shoot for you. Okay. Okay. So you know how they tell you uh, you, you should have like a, an elevator speech saying like what it is you do? I don't know. Do I, do I know... I thought that I knew what you did, but then you started telling me some things that were going on in your life, and I started thinking, I don't know. Like, what, is, what do you say that you do if somebody asks? What um, do you do? I say I do um, human resources. I've been doing HR for over 10 years. Um, that's a good interview question, by the way. Um, that I started out doing employee benefits. Um, made a segue into handling family medical leave and short-term disability. And then uh, it was just a natural um, way for me to go into human resources, um, administering uh, uh, those benefits that are often misunderstood along with workers' comp. And I just have kind of picked up 
uh, bits and pieces through experience um, and education along the way. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, like human resources, that encompasses a lot of different things. You can oh, go. yeah. Um, if if uh, somebody asked you, what does Robert do? Like maybe on your way over here, you said you were talking to your mom. Mm-hmm. If, if she asked you, oh, what does he do? Um, I would say that you are an insurance broker, um, that you handle insurance, um, but that you also do um, the education piece for insurance agents, um, making sure that they fulfill their credits for the state that they live in. I, I guess that's fine. I, I would have... I probably would have liked it better if you had said, uh, he sings karaoke. Oh, darn. That's think... the other thing I forgot that you did. Cool. Anyway. Okay. So Madam HR, how do you feel about drinking at work? Water? Perfect. Uh. <laughs> what you drinking? <laughs> uh, I think technically I'm working right now, but uh, I-, I offered you anything that I had you know, on the whole spectrum between water and whiskey and you... You went with water. You made your choice. I'm drinking a Truly. Okay. We, we are not sponsored by Truly, by the way. Okay. <laughs> but I don't have any objections to drinking at work. I think the alcohol content in that is very low and questionable. Podcast guests Until call me a lightweight. Until you start going like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I have something else for you. Okay. Um, I think I still have the paper. Uh, okay. Yeah. Front page of my local newspaper is informing me that the local city council is, has approved a non-discrimination ordinance. Okay. And I read most of that article. Mm-hmm. And I think the gist of it was uh, they're one of the last towns in our area to approve a, a local ordinance that outlaws discrimination uh, by employers based on, I don't know, X, Y, and Z. Maybe I didn't read the article very closely, but, you know, different protected classes. It extends beyond whatever, you know, the federal law dictates. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I have an HR professional here. Mm -hmm. And I, boy, I wonder if back in the day I ever told you the story about, um, the blind massage therapist. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? No, but okay. do tell. Okay, so I needed a new chiropractor and I needed a new massage therapist. And so I, f- I found one. Chiropractor was great. And it turns out they were just in the process of hiring a massage therapist that would work right there in their office. And so I thought, oh, all right, this, this could be very convenient. And the office manager, her and I were talking and she's like, Hey, yeah, you know what? If you want to try out the new massage therapist, we'll let you get one session for free. So long as you'll tell me, you know, your, your feedback, you know, how, how the service was. So I was like, all right, yeah, free massage. I'm definitely down for that. So, you know, the day arrives, I've got my appointment, I show up and I'm, and I'm early. And I think what happened was I, I check in and somebody said, all right, well, you know, we're just showing him around and it'll be just a few minutes. So I'm sitting kind of like in their waiting area, but there's no like walls separating me from 
you know, the, the tour that they're giving this new massage therapist. So I see everything that's going on. And what I notice right away is he's blind. Like, obviously yeah, blind. Okay. Obviously blind. Okay. He's got like one of those canes and I didn't see it right away, but he's got a dog. Okay. I was, I was just thinking in my head, like he doesn't have like the glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't know the stereotypical blind man from the 80s movies, but he's obviously blind. Right, okay. So they're showing him around, and I've got a couple of minutes for all this to kind of like soak into my brain, and I was thinking like, blind massage therapist, huh? Hmm, that's new. That's new to me. And so then I started thinking to myself, well, you know how they say like the, the blind, like they have a heightened sense of smell and hearing? And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe the blind guy also has like this heightened sense of touch. And so like he'll he'll have like super massage powers. Like he'll be able to feel knots in me that like seeing massage therapists wouldn't. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know why I went down that road. But I, I remember thinking that very clearly. Um, just to, to ruin the suspense, uh, he didn't like have any of those special powers. But okay, okay, so <clears throat> finally... You know, they're done with the tour and somebody comes out and, and gets me. And I think that, that he was right there too. And so, you know, I shake his hand and, and all this. And then we go back towards the room. Well, we go into the therapy room and it's lit up like the Astrodome. You know, I mean, it, super bright lights. I don't know. I don't even know why they have lights that bright in that room for any reason. But for them to be on during a massage session, way too bright. But he can't tell because he's blind. Right. Okay. Okay. So I I made mention of that. We adjusted the lights. Crisis averted. Right. And we start with the the actual massage service. And there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things that mm, have nothing to do with him being blind, by the way. But maybe him being new and being nervous. This little room that I was in started very quickly to smell like he was nervous. Smell like body odor is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it was overwhelming the room. The other thing I noticed, again, nothing to do with him being blind. Uh, he was, um, well, he had a lot of arm hair. And so you know that move that massage therapists do where like they, they roll their forearm up your back, you know, or maybe like the back of your leg mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's just coated in oil. Mm-hmm. Well, I, imagine, you know, just thick, coarse black hair, <laughs> you know, just dripping in oil, like running up your back. It's not real soothing. Yeah. No, not at all. Not, not super relaxing. Right. So those were the two key things that I took away from that massage service. And then I had to talk to the office manager, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was part of the deal. You get it for free, but you got to tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know her terribly well at the time, but she's still at the office manager, same place that I go. Very nice lady. But I sort of like didn't want to give her (laughs) all of that feedback. But at the same time, like that was the deal. Right? I got to tell her. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And you could tell she was sort of like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks for telling us. 
well, I wasn't sure if like, you know, like he, he's probably still going to get the job. Like they're just going to dress that stuff. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe wax your forearms and, you know, double up on the deodorant. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe a little, I don't know, scented candle in there wouldn't kill him. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he keeps the job. And so I, I need massage services. So every so often I go in and I'm, I'm getting worked on by him. Oh, he went back. You oh. allowed him to work on you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I remember sort of patting myself on the back about it too. Cause I was like, Hey, you know, he's, he's, he's a blind guy. He always got to take the bus to get to work. And, you know, rather than, uh, <laughs> I, this doesn't reflect my, my, uh, my general thoughts on the blind, but I, I just thought that it was nice that he was working. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, hanging out. I, I'm not saying that's what blind people do all the time. I don't, I'm painting myself into a corner here. I just liked that the dude was out there working. Correct. Yeah. And I've been on buses. Taking the bus is a pain. But he takes the bus to and from work every day. Mm-hmm. He's taking his dog. The employer is nice enough to let him have the dog there. I just felt like undeservedly so i was patting myself on the back for going to the blind massage therapist well if it's a registered uh dog for the blind then she should allow the dog to come into his work yeah she should but would you also agree that there's employers that would just find other reasons to to not hire that person or employ that person yes and that's unfortunate yeah it does happen, but I think that because more laws are put in place to protect um, people um, from that type of discrimination, I think that employers are much more aware of that and really um, try to be cognizant of the decisions that they make regarding uh, people that fall under that category. It would be in the employer's best interest to work with that employee. Yeah, maybe pay for his forearm waxings and... <laughs> I <laughs> uh, wouldn't go that far, but maybe stock the, maybe uh, the, maybe Arm clients like the exfoliation. <laughs> um, I didn't, but I suppose some <laughs> might. Okay. Well, so, so I kept going back. Okay. So I kept going back and uh, maybe five or six more times I was there, but here's the thing that I noticed. Maybe I should have asked, do you, you get massages every once in a while? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so you know that move that they do when you're you're getting your legs worked on? They kind of like move the sheets so like only that one leg they're working on is exposed and everything else is pretty much covered? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm glad to learn that they don't just do that with me. That's like a regular move they do with everybody yeah. else. So when he would do that, he could get the sheets set up so it was, you know, a nice tight covering of everything else and with the leg exposed. But what he wasn't so good at was undoing it and then getting the sheets kind of like back where they needed to be. Uh-huh. So what would happen is as he was trying to undo the sheets, he'd kind of fumble around with a little bit. Now, I, I want you to imagine me on my back and he's, you know, like, you know, he's got the sheets set up. So he's working on my thigh and, you know. Mm-hmm. When he's ready to undo the sheets, 
again, kind of fumbling around a little bit and his hand would kind of venture into parts of my body that a normal seeing therapist would be very careful to avoid. Mm -hmm. And after that happens once or twice, like I was constantly like on guard Mm -hmm. for him to be kind of whacking me in the privates. Mm -hmm. And, And so it's really hard to relax right when you're just on guard like that right all the time and i'm not saying this happened once this happened like three four five times over you know several sessions but not ever on purpose i don't think so no i never got that impression right i was just worried like he's he's gonna screw this up again right (laughs) yeah and I didn't say anything to him. Actually, I didn't, I didn't say anything to the office manager either. I just, I just quit using him. So I think if you were getting some therapeutic benefits from his massage and he was doing something that you didn't like, then you could have just very nicely said, um, when you're done, I will put the sheet back where it needs to go. Oh. Yeah, or let me help you. Um, and, and I'll readjust the sheets so that you can move on to the next leg. Mm, Yeah. You know what? That never occurred to me. Maybe it should have. I wonder if people listening right now are like, yeah, dummy. Like that's totally what you should have said. I think that for me, it's all about creating relationships with people and really talking and treating people the way that I would want to be treated. And if I was put in that situation as a seeing person, if I accidentally did something or I noticed that I was making somebody uncomfortable, just their energy, I would either have that discussion with them or I would have the expectation that they would bring something to my attention so that I could correct it. Yeah. Okay. No, that sounds good. You're right. I probably should have done that. Instead, I just stopped going. Right. Well, Qu- quietly I mean, quit if, him. But if you, <laughs> but if you felt um, like it was worth the conversation, then you should have had the conversation. Um, if you're, you know, felt like it, you needed to go see another massage therapist because you were so uncomfortable speaking your voice and using your voice to explain to him what was going on. Um, you know he needed some aided assistance. He needed somebody to maybe tell him, you know, what, what was going on. Um, so that if not for you, for the next person that comes in, if he accidentally does that to somebody else. We could train the dog to bark if he got too close. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he just needed some additional assistance and, um, you know, some guidance just saying, you know, hey, I'll, I'll move the sheets whenever the time comes. Okay, what, well, here's my comeback to that, though. He knew that he was rubbing up against me Well, I asked you accident. if he was doing it on purpose. Yeah, he, I don't think he was doing it on purpose, but he knew that he was... It was a point of reference. <laughs> he, he knew what was happening just like I did. And so, like, he could have said something, too. I imagine it's happening with other guys he's massaging. Or, when or it happened ladies. the first time, why didn't you say, whoa, hey now? I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, well, don't they say that, you know, victims often like are just. Silenced. So, yeah. It, it comes out 
eight years later in a podcast, not necessarily to the police. I would hardly weekend. say you're a victim, but um... I'm a survivor. You're right. A survivor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer survivor. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of um, you know interactions with people is is using your voice and speaking up for yourself and holding your truth um, and being fair and, um, but also actively listening and being aware that, um, you know, that some things that are, that are done are um, in fact unintentional, um, you know, but if it happens again, you know, that's when you have a very different conversation. So okay. I think that um, you may have done yourself um, and that uh, business a disservice by not actually going back to the office manager because if you felt uncomfortable um, saying what occurred, um, accident or not, you still were made to feel uncomfortable, um, you probably should have um, brought it to the lady's attention and just said, you know, this is worth a conversation. Um, do you mind talking to him about that so, so that it doesn't happen in the future? Okay, so let's say, because I know he doesn't, he doesn't work there anymore. I don't know what the terms of their uh, separation was. But let's say I did say something to office manager and they let him go. Saying, hey, you know what? You're making our, our patients uncomfortable or they don't want to use you. And, and they let him go. Given that he's got this disability, do you think that that's a problem? No, but I mean, there's so many different angles and how that was approached from the office manager to the massage therapist. You know, I think you definitely have to do your due diligence, um, um, you know, with all employees, regardless of disability or not, and having those conversations and just really trying to figure out, you know, what, um, you know, what's really going on, you have to investigate and not always take uh, one person's word. Um, if there continues to be a pattern of behavior, a pattern of complaints, yeah, then you need to sit down and have a conversation with that person. And um, if it affects the bottom line business of getting customers in the door, then yeah, it's that's definitely a hard decision, but it's something that the business owner would ultimately have to make as long as they can prove that they have experienced loss um, due to the disability. And, and of course, really where I'm coming from is, because I'm an insurance guy, mm -hmm. I'm wondering about... Liability. Yeah, and like small businesses like, mm -hmm. like that one, they, they may have an employment practices liability insurance policy that covers wrongful termination. And I just, you know, wonder somebody that has a disability that gets discharged. Uh, I imagine there are lots of claims in that category. Right. But let's just not look at people with disabilities. I mean, discrimination or anti-discrimination um, law and even the EEOC protects uh, certain classes, minorities, uh, uh, employees over the age of 40, not just people that are, are deaf, but people who have, um, there's, a, there's a long list, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, cerebral palsy, uh, handicapped. I mean, the list goes on of everybody who falls into a protected class. Um, I think that we just have to be mindful that 
you're dealing with people and you're dealing with their livelihoods and you are also dealing with the public as well. Um, but you expect people that you hire to be professional, do their due diligence, um, meet the expectations of the job. And then if they don't, um, you have to sit down and, and uh, revisit and uh, have those tough conversations with people. But she should never really use their disability against them. It's either they don't have the skills to do the job based on the job description. You provide them with more training. You document the training. You make sure that that they've met markers um, in their uh, in their trainings, so that milestones, so that you know that they're competent and they're able to do the job. Um, All good points. Hey, so. You mentioned protected classes. Mm-hmm. You just, you just uh, made me think of another uh, tale that I have to tell. And it's fresh in my head because I feel like over dinner, uh, I was telling my son this story. It's, it's one of my favorites. I, I have a lot of good high school stories. Can I take you back to Naperville, Illinois, 1994? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So... <laughs> Another good 90s reference. Yeah. I think that's the noise you were looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Except <laughs> from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's no, Wayne's World. Oh, that is. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay, so, um, and actually, Naperville, Illinois is right next door to Aurora, Illinois, which is where Wayne's World supposedly was set. I don't know if you knew that. Far Am I Garth? Far, yes. I can be Garth and you can be Wayne. And... You are definitely Garth to my Wayne. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm the star of the show. <laughs> I'm just in the no. background. No, okay. Okay, before I, I tell you the, the high school story, this um, this just happened. So I was, I'm, I'm walking along the lakefront in Chicago. Am I in Chicago? I'm walking along the lakefront in Chicago with my friend and, you know, we're just, we're just having a conversation about whatever. And somebody coming the opposite way is like, kind of, kind of looking at me like he knew me or something. And so my friend, she goes, um, that, that guy's looking at you. Do you know him? And I was like, no, I don't know who that is. And then I, I went over to him, or not went over to him, but I kind of like nodded in his direction as they're passing. And I was like, hey, thanks for listening. And she's like, um, what was that? She was like, eh, it's probably a podcast fan. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, this was like literally two weeks before the first episode launched. So it was like, I mean, zero chance. Like, and he, he probably doesn't even know what you look like because yeah. it's all voice recorded. And a- Exactly. <laughs> but... Um, I've been using that a lot. Like somebody's like looking in my direction. I was like, "Hey, thanks for listening." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Naperville, yes. 1994. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the last semester of my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and I've got to take this class on consumer economics, or you know, a lot of a lot of high schools have those classes that they talk about mortgages and credit cards and insurance and. It's required for graduation. Mm-hmm. So I've waited till the last semester, senior year, to take this class. And my best friend from high school is in the class with me, Sean. I feel like I've mentioned him on this podcast a bunch. And the teacher, 
for the class was our gymnastics coach. And uh, we didn't care for him. He didn't care for us much. We weren't on the team anymore. Oh. Uh, by, by the way, that, I was going to say that's a different story. It's, it's not even a story. We just, we weren't on the team anymore. And uh, I'm not sure if he was happy or sad about that, but he didn't like us. We didn't like him. There was obviously some friction. Right. And anyway, so first day of class. Okay. He's doing what teachers do. He's passing out the syllabus. And he's got he's to gotta be so dramatic about it. You know, he's <clears throat> oh, walking up and down the, the, the rows. And he's like, all right, you're going to find in the syllabus, district mandated grading scale, 90 to 100 is an A, 80 to 89 is a B, so on and so on. And then he's like, what you're not going to find in the syllabus is a little something I like to call the jerk factor. And now, of course, we're all on pins and needles. Oh, please tell us, what is the jerk factor? He's like, some of you, at the end of the semester, you're going to be sitting on an 89.9%. Oh, you're going to have a 79.7%. Yeah, and you're going to be hoping, oh, you're going to be praying that I round your grade up. And that's when I, that's when I employ the jerk factor. See, if you've been coming to class late, if I call on you and you're talking to your neighbor, or otherwise, obviously not paying attention, passing notes in class, oh, you're a jerk. And if you're a jerk, I'm not rounding your grade up. And there's nothing, oh, nothing that you can do about it. And I found this speech just so enjoyable. You do such a good job oh, imitating well, the teacher. <laughs> that's, that's how he said it. He said it like a serial killer, like, you know, with the, the calmness of a serial killer, but like the, I don't know, the craziness of a gymnastics coach. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the desperation of Tumble a consumer. Tumble harder. <laughs> the desperation of, a, of a, a consumer economics teacher. I mean, all packaged into one. And... I mean, me and Sean are just elbowing each other. Like, what is he talking about hoping and praying? Like, we're short timers, all right? I'm already accepted to Michigan State. I am out of here, all right? D's graduate, dude. This is hoping and praying crap. Yes, they do. So, <laughs> said with the confidence of somebody who knows. <laughs> <laughs> I played the fifth. Um, but okay, so my, Sean is a math teacher now. How about that? And he remembers this story. He, I think he tells it a little bit different. I think he remembers it a little different than I do. But he tells that story to his students first day of class. We, we love this jerk factor thing. Now, he loves it for a different reason than I do. The reason I tell it is jerks, not a protected class. You can fire people for being a jerk Absolute, all day long. You, you can refuse service to customers if they're a jerk all day long. And I don't get a lot of jerky customers, but if I do, yeah, they're, they're, they're not taking classes with us. I'm not their insurance agent. Yeah. If, if I had a jerky employee, and I, I, I'm glad to say I never have, but 
yeah, I'd let them go. I'd cut them loose. Well, I think that there's this misunderstanding of an at-will state or an at-will employer um, that you can let people go, and that's fine. And, and you can let them go because you don't like the socks that they wear or how they roll their pants or they're wearing a black belt with brown pants. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't sue, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to get their unemployment. If it's not documented and you haven't shown that you haven't done your due diligence to make sure that you have provided them a path for improvement, addressing their attitude, um, there's still repercussions even after you let somebody go. You're not The employer is not immune to that. Uh, once there is a legal action, it's um, the employer um, that has to prove that they've done their due diligence. It's not the employee. Well, and obviously you would want to have done that stuff, but here again, the insurance guy in me is going to chime in and say, well, if you have employment practices, liability insurance, and they have a duty to defend and you're in a much better position. Right. If, and it, you know, and it also depends on, you know, a contractual agreement or, or whatever, um, that looks like depending on the circumstances. I mean, there's so many different variations of how to approach certain things, um, but you still have to operate within the parameters of of the law. Um, I often tell people that if they do a good job, I work in the clinical field. If my clinician is out in the field and they're doing a good job and they're a sound clinician and they're following doctor's orders and they're doing the right thing, who cares if they call in the office and they're and they have a bad attitude or somebody decides that they don't like that other person that's a personal issue it's it's not it is not a direct reflection on how good of a job they actually do so sometimes you have to take personal out and um you know just really look at the quality work that somebody brings to the table okay so but when it comes to being a jerk i mean People clash sometimes, right? Right, right. and they might not just be culturally a good fit. And at that point, if you haven't sat down and talked to that person and been like, "These are this is the vision of the company. These are the attributes, the characteristics that the company upholds. We've had conversations about this. Your behavior still seems to be negative. Um, we put you in a group with people. You did A, B, C, and D. It didn't get better after we talked. You do not, you're, you end up not being a cultural fit for the company. You're not meeting their expectations of how they want the environment for the company to be. I mean, being a jerk and not liking somebody because they look at you the wrong way is completely different from saying something that's offensive or harassment or discrimination, right? People in general, not, you're not going to get along with everybody, um, but you make a concerted effort to try to do that. And um, at some point, if it starts to affect the team and the morale and the environment, and it does become hostile, then that's when um, you take action to term. Um, I would hope that we work with all adults. In an ideal world, yes, I can say that as just a blanket statement, but you wanna treat people as adults and as professionals and that they take their career seriously. Well, okay, so you told me a story about going out to lunch and some something that you said to a waitress was thought to be rude. That's super subjective. Correct. And I wasn't there. 
uh, when you told me that story, I thought of something else so that I had experienced. So I'm super big, and you didn't mention this in your list, but I'm super big on no lime on my my drinks. I, I drink a lot of Captain and Diet Coke, but regardless of what I'm drinking, I very rarely like any kind of lime on my drink to the point where I say when I order it, Captain and Diet Coke, no lime or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was on a date and I ordered my drink and it came with a lime on the glass. Mm-hmm. And I pulled the lime off the glass and I kind of like tossed it mm-hmm. onto the table mm-hmm. and then took a napkin and I'm wiping the like the lime pulp and mm-hmm. juice off of the glass. I don't even want it. So did they just stick it on the rim or did they squeeze it like all the way around? No, they the just stuck rim. it on the rim. Okay. But were I to put my mouth there, I would taste lime and I would not like that. Okay. Okay. So okay. I, I took it off the glass and I guess I, I kind of like tossed it on the table in the direction of the waitress. And so the woman I was with, you know, sitting on the other side of the booth, she saw that as just ferociously rude. And, okay. and I, I thought nothing of it, <laughs> but she, she said something to me like, oh my God, that was so rude. I'm so embarrassed for you. And what did you say? Well, yeah, I'm a teddy bear. I, you know, went, sat on her side of the booth and was like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Um, something like that. Did you apologize to the waitress though? I don't remember. Did you have specific... her bring you another drink? I don't. Spe- no, I didn't have her bring you another drink. But I, I probably said something like, "If I order another one of these, can you make sure?" <laughs> I see your face as I'm saying that. Uh, if you bring me another one of these, can you make sure there's no lime on the glass? Why don't you just say and no lime, like no lime? Because I tell I you what that. I think that they they think is they hear lime glass like that's their they probably got other orders in their head they're doing a million things they're just trying to hurry up and make sure that you got your drink so they can move on to the next table and so i think when you give them that information they're maybe putting it on the glass instead of thinking that you said no so if you just say no lime no means no no means no or why do you even have to say it because too many bartenders just assume that you want to garnish on that drink. Is there a bartender word for no lime? Like no citrus or like? No. Oh. No, and I can say that with confidence. I'm a certified bartender in Arizona. Oh. No, there is nothing like that. Like what does it mean if they um, put salt or sugar around the rim? Like sugar rimmed or salt rimmed or... I think you're confused. Bartenders speak English. So we just say, you know, like salted rim. (laughs) It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. You know, like on the rocks, not on the rocks, like. Oh, oh. Sweet and salty. Like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe not. Kind of. You're overthinking it though. Okay. I'm just wondering. Anyway, in that moment, Mm. I think she thought I was a jerk Mm -hmm. and I thought I was perfectly in the right and I was fine. I was polite enough. In hindsight, I probably could have said it better. I could maybe not have thrown the fruit at her. 
So, yeah. you know, if, yeah. if I was out with you and I, had, I was just like, and you did that, I'd be like, why did you do that? And I would get your side of the story and I would say, okay, maybe next time be a little bit more conscientious of your actions. Surely it wasn't done on purpose. I don't, I don't mean to be offensive. No. Right. So, I, I mean, I, I know like, be good. who walks in and they intentionally mean to be offensive? Like hardly anybody, right? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, I want to be good. Right. Yeah, I think that... Um, I know a lot of it is just done out of habit, too. I, I definitely wouldn't think that you going into a bar and then putting a lime on your drink was anything more than just done out of habit and that they probably need to pay more attention. But more than that, just be more cognizant and more aware of your, of your behaviors and kind of what they, how they might come across to, to other people, especially on a date, like a first date. Come on. Oh, I didn't say it was a first date. Oh, okay. like she was used to my brutish behavior. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has a high tolerance then. Yeah. <laughs> okay good stuff good stuff all right so jerks are not a protected class no and is that what is that how we want to wrap this up just with that how about just don't be a jerk yeah okay everybody be good to each other don't be a jerk and then yeah there won't be any reason for anybody to lose their job or be denied service or anything like that and all those small business owners out there with their employment practices, liability insurance, won't have to make claims. Right. So the, the title of this podcast is One Interesting Thing About Insurance. I know that you wouldn't be familiar with that because you've never listened to the show. You never clicked on any of the oh, links. Oh, but I've heard I, about it. I've never said... <laughs> you have not heard about it. You told me about it the day before. I heard about it. You mean yesterday? A week ago. A week ago, I told you about the podcast. Yeah. And, uh... So I heard about it. From me? Yeah. Okay. Well, the, so the title is One Interesting Thing About Insurance. I'm hoping that somewhere in there... Uh-huh. People have learned one interesting thing about insurance. Maybe the fact that employment practices, liability insurance even exists. We didn't really talk about that. But, yeah, there's insurance policies for, for businesses in the event they let somebody go. Mm-hmm. And hadn't done their due diligence, as you say. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that coverage is out there. Of course, the the best idea is just to to do good and you know follow the law and you know not be in a bad situation where you've done something wrong. But you made the point earlier that I mean anybody can sue you as the small business owner for any reason, even if you know you were in the right mm-hmm. or had good cause to let that person go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that happens. And so it's nice to have the insurance company there that has the duty to defend you, to step in and, you know, help you out. Correct. All right. So, yeah, I'm hoping that was one interesting thing embedded in there somewhere. Kellyanne, it has been lovely having you on the podcast. Yay. (laughs) Thank you. And if our listeners enjoyed any of that, I would invite you to check out our insurance classes at bmfce.com. We offer insurance continuing education for licensed insurance agents and adjusters in most states around the country. And if you're looking for another episode, we'll have another one out soon. Uh, Be sure to rate it, subscribe, 
tell your friends. If you see me walking on the Chicago lakefront, uh, you know, give me a little head nod. I will thank you for listening. All right. Thanks again.